The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us. I'm excited to have this time with you. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, may God bless and keep you. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my trustworthy wingman. Good morning, Richard, and everyone, happy Saturday. Good morning, happy Saturday. Friends, combat leadership is hard. In combat, Marines brief and debrief their actions relentlessly. The debriefs are often brutal, but the stakes are too high to shade the truth. At the same time, a combat leader must not forget to encourage... Having spent much of the last few shows briefing our actions on the spiritual battlefield, I'd like to take this time to encourage. I won't shade the truth because the stakes are too high, but there is also much to be encouraged about. If you remember only one thing from today's show, please may it be this. In Christ, you are on God's team. Let that lean against you for a second. As Dr. Harrington would say, you are on God's team in Jesus Christ, his son. Mm. Before we begin today's conversation, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, we are blessed to be able to spend this time together talking about you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. Throughout history and even today in many nations throughout the world, Christians must pray and worship in secret. What an incredible liberty it is for us to speak freely about our awesome God. May you bless the United States of America. May it be this way for our children and grandchildren, and may we each have the courage to do everything we can to ensure that in all things your will is done. We bring our prayers to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. To me, one of the most amazing conversations in the Bible takes place in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 33. And you don't really hear it talked about very much, but the early Christian movement is just beginning to pick up steam and members of the temple are nervous and jealous. So they arrest the apostles and eventually bring them before the Sanhedrin for questioning. After some discussion, a respected Pharisee and rabbi named Gamaliel dismisses the apostles and addresses the Sanhedrin directly. He says, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. I advise you, leave these men alone. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. 
But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. The early Christian movement initially consisted of 12 men. Today, 2,000 years later, there are 2.3 billion Christians on earth. Wow. 2.3 billion. That's a lot. Against every persecution and attempt by the devil to crush them, Christians have grown relentlessly. So I think it's safe to say that our faith is from God. So if you're on his team, what does that say? In these present times which try our souls, please think about this. It's awesome. Each day, each of us only has to answer one question. Whose team do I want to be on? Everything else follows from that question. Christy, Mm -hmm. I said think about this. I know think is a special word for you. No pun intended. What are your thoughts on all of this. What do I think about this? What do you think about it? <laughs> well, I'm going to try to say what I think about this without saying think. No. Um, think. Uh, brings me to the think, feel, act cycle. And a little thing. We often believe that our feelings are reality. And then based on those feelings, we act on them. But uh, little known to people is that actually that Feeling starts with something they're thinking. It may be a fraction of a second, but in fact, that thought evokes the feeling, which then evokes the action. And if we can begin to realize that what we're thinking has that effect and we're not getting the actions that we want, then changing our thinking is where we need to go. What do you think about that? (laughs) We think about something, we decide how we feel, and we act on those feelings. Kind of like last week, we talked about the observe, orient, decide, act cycle, where actually something happens. You have a moment to think about how you're going to orient yourself to what you've just observed, and then you decide and you act. Is that right? That's if you're trained to do it. But most of us are in such a reactionary place that we feel something. Uh, we feel bad, and so we act badly, let's say. I'm simplifying it. But we don't realize that it's actually a thought that's creating that bad feeling, and then we create the the, the bad action. Does I that make it. sense? I was once in a squadron, and we got in so much trouble, the entire squadron had to go to anger management. Oh and my. part of that anger management was that we learned there's a stimulus. You... Have a moment to decide how you feel about that stimulus. You then act. Your collective actions form your behavior, and your collective behaviors form your attitudes. So if you could get in there between the something happens and you react to that something, then you could reshape your behaviors, and that would reshape your attitudes. Absolutely. It's actually a learned skill. And so I always teach that, share that, coach that, that that gives you hope. Absolutely. And it's a big deal because something is going to happen and we have to get in there in in the first couple seconds to think about Jesus. Right. Whatever happens, our feelings shouldn't just be of the world because then we're of the world because you end up being about your feelings if you didn't take a, t- uh, a minute to think about how you're going to let that affect you. So as I say that We are on God's team, that if it's of God, nothing can stop it. Then let that sink in, and the think, feel, act cycle that Christy just talked about 
will lead you to such power as a Christian. So when we think about the full magnitude of God's love and what it means to be on his team, it should just be awe-inspiring. And Jesus said that we have his power. So I understand that we're all at different places in our Christian journey, but for everyone, the feeling part begins at the foot of the cross. It begins when we find ourselves separated by sin from God and the true self that he envisions for us, and we come to the cross seeking repentance, restoration to him, and the salvation and peace that only Jesus can grant. So the first step, as we know, one of the first words in the ministry of Jesus was repent. And it begins there. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So God must call us, but whether or not we answer that call and the quality of our answer is up to us and how we feel and then think and then feel and act. Right. It's It ultimately provides you, and we've talked about this on the show before, is a choice. And a lot of us don't think we have choices, but it's a choice then to reorient your mind to thinking about scripture, how we, you know, one of the things, um, the fruits of the spirit, I'm always asking myself, am I showing up uh, that way? So am I thinking about those things all the time? And so it's a choice to reorient your mind. And in fact, you can reorient your mind. You just have to learn to do it. A lot of people don't understand this. It's very powerful. Yeah, here's here's why it's such a big deal. At the foot of the cross, when life, when the call of God has brought you to your knees, right. you seek Jesus in humility, then in your repentance, you begin a new relationship. And as you let that fully come to you, right. it will then change how you think. So it changes uh, you. It changes everything about you. Right. Definitely your thinking. Absolutely. So I'm reading a book called Becoming a King by Morgan Snyder, and it's a great book, Becoming a King by Morgan Snyder. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And he is a good friend of John Eldridge, whose books I love as well. Great books. And he quotes Dallas Willard as saying that repentance is rethinking your thinking. Mm. So think about this for a second. (laughs) There's a lot of thinking going on here. We've said before that whatever God wants, the devil wants the opposite. And we've said not just five degrees or 10 degrees, but the opposite, 180 degrees out. That's why everything you see in the world is just so perverse. Right. I heard an expression recently, cultural narcissism. Right. We have become the most incredibly narcissistic culture. We have. And narcissists are not accountable. They blame They don't take responsibility. They don't take accountability. And why is that such a big deal? Because until you accept your sin, your behavior, you can never end up at the foot of the cross in humility, seeking Jesus and repentance. Right. I would guess that a lot of, I don't know this to be true, and I'm not a psychologist, but narcissism, I would guess, is very much rooted in fear. And so if we have been raised in some sort of religiosity, things like that, where we're afraid, we don't know how to humble ourselves and go to the foot of the cross, then that is a very scary thing for us. But that's really the safest place to ever be. Right. So here's the thing. The devil's going to do whatever he can to keep you from the foot of the cross. He's going to 
have you be prideful. He's going to have you be self-righteous. He's going to have you change the rules, rewrite the rules, so that you are never cast in a light that requires you to have to say, man, I made a mess of this. I did harm. I hurt somebody. The other thing that the devil is going to do is he's going to tell you as you're on your way to the foot of the cross, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, all of these different lies, because he will do whatever it takes to keep you from the foot of the cross where your heart is filled with the love of Jesus by repentance and the Holy Spirit when you accept him. And that then changes the way you think about the world and the way you feel about what you see. And then your actions are changed. So that's why this is such a big deal. Because as Dallas Willis said, in your repentance, you rethink your thinking and you realize, man, this world is messed up. These people are miserable. Why do I care what they think? So well said. Uh, Thank you very much. I should start a radio show. (laughs) So let this sink in for a second. As you feel God's love and the forgiveness of his son... All you have to do is come to the cross and say, here I am. Right. And as this feeling overtakes all the messages that are forced on us by the world, that we're not worthy, that our sins too grievous, that we've committed the same sin too many times, or that we're too broken, we eventually stand in the warm light of God's love. That is where we say, I am on God's team and I am worthy because he has said I am worthy. And now I'm on the winning team and I will act like it. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what is true for us as individuals is also true for us as a nation. Mm. The power that we have as individuals, when we turn back to God, despite our mess, despite the, the things we've done, and we say, Lord, I give myself to you, The same is true of nations. And it's proven in the story of Jonah, where Jonah does everything he can to avoid going to Nineveh because God has said to him, go to Nineveh and tell them that uh, for them the end is coming. And so he jumps on a ship, gets eaten by a whale, still ends up back in Nineveh because you can't mess with God's plans. And he tells the Ninevites that the end is coming for you, and they repent. Right. And they... um, tear their clothes, throw dust on their heads, turn back to God, and God has compassion on them. Right. And Jonah actually gets mad that God has compassion on them. Okay. (laughs) Tell me uh, about that one. (laughs) It's it's quite amazing. So Jonah's mad, and uh, God in his compassion, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Mm. Friends, the same will be true for the United States. If we repent and turn back to God as individuals and as a nation, we will be spared. But we must stand firm in our faith. Each of us has a Christian journey. We are worthy. We come to the foot of the cross and we say, hey, my way's not working. What I'm doing isn't working. Lord, please just take over. We and must change our thinking. We must change our thinking. Collectively as a nation. Absolutely. And why thinking? Because there's statistics involved. It started with 12 men. Now there's 2.3 billion. When you think about that, what Gamaliel said, if this is of human origin, it, it will, will fail. fail. And if it is not of human origin, if nothing it is of God, it. nothing can stop Absolutely. it. Absolutely. 
So think about these statistics. 70% of the United States is Christian. Christians, before politics, before everything else, you come to the foot of the cross and you turn back to God. And all of the other stuff is just the devil's schemes. Psalm 25 says, No one who hopes in the Lord will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without a cause. Friends, our faith will decide our reality. It will decide the next election, and it will decide the future of our children, what we accept, what we promote, and what we stand against. It's about our faith in God. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So let me ask you, whose team are you on? Because when we give ourselves to Jesus, and when we make him the first thing we think about, as our hearts are full, full of gratitude for the salvation he offers us, full of gratitude for the fact that I can have a bad day today. And in the truth, not inventing my own rules, tonight I say, man, that wasn't cool. I'm going to do better tomorrow. Lord Jesus, help me to do better tomorrow. And then guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. I couldn't imagine being on another team. I couldn't imagine being on another team. And I reject the, the world's lies that says you are not good enough. Right. Uh, You know, I often say you wrestle with pigs, you both get muddy, and they like it. And worse yet, a passerby just sees two guys covered up in mud. It's true. So as Christians, we do not have the opportunity to get in the mud. We, We have to avoid it. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about racism. And if somebody were to call you a racist, there's nothing you could say that would change their mind. But if you treated them with love, regardless, and if you were kind, regardless, then they would have to come to the conclusion that what they've said is false. Right. And it's the same with Christianity. You can tell me all day long these things, but I will see it on you. I will see it in you. Actions speak louder than words, and they start with how you're thinking. And they start with how you're thinking. So grab those thoughts Christ says, bring every thought uh, Cap- take- captive. Take every thought captive. Wow. Easy for me to say. Thank you so much. Take every thought captive and uh, bring it into obedience to Christ. You know a lot of scripture. It's hard to remember them all. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> it's a big book. So uh, that is the truth. And that brings us to the moment of truth. In every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at scripture, which informs our discussion We do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it is always relevant, and that it never fails. Let me repeat that. God is faithful, and His Word overcomes the devil's lies every time, just as God overcomes the devil every time. All we have to do is think about which team we want to be on to feel Jesus' power and love flow into us at the foot of the cross as we seek Him in humility and to act accordingly. Today our moment of truth comes from Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want to be on God's team, you have but to repent and to seek the salvation of Jesus Christ by faith. 
So as we wrap up today, let's agree that these are troubled times. More and more each day, the spiritual battle between the devil and God plays itself out in plain sight. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No. <laughs> no so it's can't. easy to be discouraged. But let's also agree that with regard to the perversity we see on TV, on the Internet, and on the streets of this great nation, it is obvious that their purpose or activity is of human origin and it will fail. And we must align ourselves with God because he cannot be stopped. And take confidence in that. And take confidence in that. And let that control our thinking. And let that thinking control our feeling. We must turn back to God individually and collectively because what is true of men is true of governments. All forms of government have failed throughout history if they were not blessed by God. Communist governments, socialist governments, and even republics have failed. Winston Churchill said something awesome. He said, Many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all-wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. Nobody's perfect. Our nation is not perfect. And it's because we all have one thing in common, and that is men. Whatever is of human origin will fail because humans are imperfect. Because we are a nation of people, we too are imperfect. All that can be asked is that each day, individually and collectively, we seek God to help us to do better. The idea that we are our worst mistakes, or our most grievous inequalities, or our greatest shortcomings, is as false for our nation as it is for us as individuals. It is a manipulation of the devil, and it will fail. We must forgive ourselves and each other, We must have faith. We must think about God's grace and compassion. We must feel his love in the person of Jesus Christ and act as a man or woman on the winning team. We are a nation under God as long as we believe we are a nation under God. And we will be saved by our faith because our nation exists by the hand of God. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. In the words of Gamaliel, But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. Well, America is from God. It's a miracle. We exist by his hand. And we will not be stopped. Since we know this to be true, and since we know that God will have his way, we don't have to be anxious or angry. In all things, we can come from a place of peace and victory. As you pray, come from a place of peace and victory. As you prepare for the day, Come from a place of peace and victory. As you go out into the world, come from a place of peace and victory. Be devoted. Be committed. Speak boldly. Act with a sense of urgency. Do everything as if unto the Lord. And in all things, come from a place of peace and victory. And that is courageous Christianity. In lieu of a quote of the day, I will ask you to pray with me. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, or if you haven't been living for Him, or if fear or anger has taken over your life, or if things have just been difficult for you, ask Jesus into your heart. Please pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, 
I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible. Help me to pray. Help me to show up for church and get baptized. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer with us for the first time, please reach out to us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com and let us help you in your next steps. We would be honored and it would be a beginning of a brilliant and courageous and powerful journey. Thank you so much for joining Christy and me today. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and Semper Fi.